friends way at night. Hello, cocktail lovers. Welcome to Paris Cocktail Talk. I'm Forrest Collins, the founder of the 52 Martinis Cocktail Site, and I'm here to talk to you about cocktailing in the French capital and bring you other small batch cocktail and spirits news from France. So we all know about certain French uh, spirits that are very traditional, like cognac or Calvados or Armagnac. Um, but, you know, you might be surprised to find out that French gin is a thing and it's booming. Uh, you know, 10 years ago, maybe you would have had two or three to choose from. Now you've got dozens, you know, probably a hundred. It's really, it's a, a category that's really exploding. And um, and there's some interesting things showing up. So I thought it would be really fun this month to get a couple of people on who are making French gin and they're doing something kind of special with it. They're making it in the south of France and they're making something that really expresses the terroir of where they are. So I have Lana and Sunshine on the show from La Terriac Gin. And, um, and we're going to talk to them about how they make their gin, their inspiration, what it's like to make gin as, as non-French or as women in this industry, and a few other little gin tidbits. So welcome, ladies, to the show. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having us. Thanks for us. Um, so can you, can you each tell me just a little bit about your background and what your inspiration was for taking on this project? Yes. Hi, I'm Sunshine Erickson. I have always worked in food and wine. Um, I'm American, like Lana. Uh, we met here about eight years ago. And uh, when I lived in the States, I worked for a very small book publisher that specialized in cookbooks. And I moved to France about 16 years ago and as soon as I could speak French well enough I did a wine program at the agriculture school saying I wanted to work in wine and my my last job uh, for 10 years I sold rare and vintage French wines uh, mostly specializing in Bordeaux and Bordeaux and Burgundy in very old vintages but my passion was always uh, wine from small producers that work, who work in a very natural way. So I was in a transition period in my life about five years ago, and I realized I wanted to stay in France. I didn't know if I wanted to go back to the States or somewhere else. I decided to stay here because I had such a nice life here that I had built, and, but I knew I wanted to work for myself. And it was just by going for a lot of walks in the Garig, uh, the, which is the craggy landscape uh, in this top of France, that I had an idea to, to make a spirits company because I couldn't believe that other people weren't uh, creating spirits uh, with the amazing plants that are, are all around us. And I absolutely wanted to do a guana. <laughs> and uh, and the first time I mentioned it uh, to her, she said yes. And that was a little more than five years ago. <laughs> and Lana, what about you, your background and inspiration? Um, so my background, like uh, you said, is um, I'm a sommelier by training. Um, I But before that, um, I got a degree in landscape architecture and then completely changed careers, uh, went, moved to Washington, D.C., opened a specialty coffee shop, which is um, what really, what snagged me into the world of uh, quality food and beverages. Um, I just absolutely loved it. That's really where I learned how to taste. Um, and then after the coffee shop, I worked in cocktail bars, sort of at the height of the, of the specialty cocktail uh, scene in uh, the United States. 
And I also worked at uh, a restaurant, um, the Tabard Inn, where the owner, uh, Jeremiah Cohen, uh, took me under his wing and um, trained me uh, how to be a sommelier. He paid for my my training and everything. And uh, that's that's really where I got the base for everything that I that I have now. Um, and then a few years after that, I moved to France, uh, where I've been ever since. So that was about nine years ago. And I started specializing in natural and biodynamic wines, working as a sales director for a small winery in Chateauneuf-du-Pep. Um, and then it was around that time that Sunshine um, came to me with this proposition, which I immediately said yes to because after like 10 years of working for someone else, I knew that I needed to have my own business again, well, with Sunshine, obviously, and then also to create something because just working in sales was not satisfying enough. Like both Sunshine and I are so tactile and creative that uh, it just, just, just working for someone else just wasn't, wasn't enough. So when she proposed uh, this idea of, um, of, of taking everything that we have in the Garrigue and and reimagining it, um, I just I, I fell in love with the idea. So, well, I love the fact that the two of you were able to really blend like your professional backgrounds and your skills, kind of with these creative urges, and do it together. So, yeah, it's very exciting to be able to pull all that into one project. So, speaking of your project, before we get into the um, sort of details of the two different expressions, I want to talk about the base of your gin. You use grapes, so you are um, distilling wine for your gin. Can you talk about why you chose to do that? Yeah, so we live in the largest winemaking region in the world down here in the Languedoc. And so there's the history of this. Everyone who distills anywhere distills with what's available to them. So it may be you can just distill from molasses or beets or most gins are made from natural grain spirit in the north of Europe. But the, what is distilled in, in the south of France is grapes. So grapes chose us. We did not choose grapes. <laughs> but it was also a wonderful transition from both, both Lana, Lana and I working in wine to distilling. It felt very natural to um, to just continue continue working with wine and uh, and giving wine a new life by distilling it. Uh, there's also a long when we started doing research by the beginning, we learned that there's a there's a tradition of distilling in the south of France that we didn't know about that had waned for a long time. So, for example, in the beginning of the 19th century. In our department, which is called Lero, there were a thousand distilleries, and it was mostly made for medicine or panacea, sort of these cure for alls that were that are very, very similar to the way that we work today. So that's also why we chose our name, La Terriac, as a little wink to that that tradition and and that we work the same way that they worked 200. 300 years ago. I love that, that you're sort of reviving and, and discovering these maybe forgotten traditions. And um, yeah, it's, it's, I think that's very interesting. Um, and kind of in line with that, I know that you're very proud of your artisanal methods and, and the, the, the um, still that you use and um, how you um, collect your botanicals. So can you expand on that a little bit for the listeners? 
Yes, we, I've been thinking about this a lot recently, just looking back uh, on the last five years of our project. We have become more and more artisanal as we've gone along and more and more handmade. Uh, at the beginning, we did, of course, knew we wanted to make, uh, to make spirits from these gorgeous plants, uh, but we didn't know how we do it and uh, what we could we had to put do pricing for everything and as we've gone along we we've realized that so we we work with a, a very old style uh still it's the same type of still that it existed thousands of years ago when when we make our base alcohol we have to distill the wine at least twice to get to the natural the natural spirit and the neutral spirit and that takes a lot of Time. And then our last distillation is with all the plants that we collect ourselves. And for example, at the beginning, we didn't know if we'd be able to collect all the plants ourselves. So we, we were looking into plant farms and then we realized that, no, we, we actually can collect the quantity that we need. And also the, the fresh plants are so much better than the dried plants that we could have bought so it's just it's been a wonderful uh it's been a wonderful uh journey <laughs> yeah journey toward becoming more and more it's not more and more natural we just sell only natural wine for example well, it sounds interesting. It sounds like a very organic journey. And by that, I mean, sort of it develops along the way naturally. So, um, so I think that's interesting. Yes, um, definitely. Uh, now, now you've, you've got two expressions of your gin and they're both very different. Having tasted them both, I, I, they definitely have distinct personalities. Can you talk about the botanicals in the two of them and kind of what makes them unique? Yeah. So, um, uh, the Peak Peak is our classic style gin. It has just uh, two ingredients. Um, the juniper berries that we harvest ourselves um, in the Cévennes, about an hour from Montpellier. And uh, Arbouze, which is a little small red fruit that is actually in season like uh, November, December. Um, it's native to the Mediterranean. I think in English it's called like a strawberry tree fruit or something. Um, okay. It's of it's sort of bland on its own um but we really wanted to work with everything that was wild around us so we took samples of everything and we found that when we distilled the arbuse it uh turned into this really lovely um like slightly citrusy slightly bitter oily but like a good bitter almost like a tonic already in it um, and a tiny bit of fruit that complemented the, the wine alcohol really nicely and the juniper, which from here is very floral. So, um, so it's got those two ingredients plus the wine alcohol, which for the peak people usually just distill white or rosé wine, um, because it tends to give like a brighter, uh, more vibrant space alcohol. Um, so the idea with this blend is, uh, that we have a classic style gin that is perfect for cocktails that doesn't take up too much space like um like the garrigue which we'll get to in a second but that is perfect for making um like gin and tonics which is you know like how people think of gin mostly in france uh and um you know martinis negronis like any any classic 
gin-based cocktail that you could think of like Peak Peak is, is, is for that, created for that. And what it does is it, because the base alcohol is um, from wine, it's very rich. And so if you make like a martini or a Negroni with the Peak Peak, you don't just get like a normal Negroni or a martini, you get something much more, it's just got a much more, much more mouthfeel, much better texture. Um, it's much more like gourmand, as they would say in French. Um, voilà. So I don't know, sometimes you want to talk about the Garrigue? Yeah, the Garrigue is the, is the cuvee that we started with. That's our baby. So there are 11 plants. Uh, we spent so much time uh, <laughs> distilling every plant we could find for the first couple of years uh, in, in minuscule quantities, but just to see what the plant uh, gave in uh, when it was distilled. And of course, then once we had all the plants that we loved, finding the, the right ratios also took a little bit of time finding our, our exact recipe. So the Gary Gin is meant to be drunk alone as a digestif. And we've had a lot of, for example, we've had uh, success selling that to very high-end restaurants we used to sell it as, um, as a digestif for the end of the meal. It is very aromatic. And a lot of time when the French taste it and smell it, they right away say, oh my gosh, I'm, I feel like I'm walking through the garrigue or, oh, this reminds me of an alcohol that my grandfather made. Uh, a couple of, you know, a couple of generations ago. Uh, it is, it's almost a perfume. It's, we, we, we sought out to create balance between the greenness, the fruitiness and, and, and floral aspects. So for example, there's of course, juniper in it, uh, but also rosemary and thyme and, and savory and fennel, bay leaf, uh, verbena, uh, lavender, uh, faux acacia, or uh, that white acacia flower, and fig. Um, and it's, uh, it's just, it's, you put your nose in the glass and you're in the middle of the gallery in the top of plants. Yeah, I definitely think there's there's a lot of personality to that one. Um, I really enjoyed it when I tasted it. So I just have a question when you're talking about using the um, fresh plants in the distillation, does that mean you're limited in times of the year that you can do the distillation or do you pick them and store them or distill them separately? Um, does that pose any logistical challenges? <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, when you're working uh, artisanally like this, uh, logistics is, yeah, everything is sort of a logistical challenge. Um, but uh, yeah, we, <laughs> yeah, everything comes into season um, at a different time of year. There are certain things like thyme and rosemary that, uh, that are sort of like at the same time, but juniper is right, like in the fall, winter, the acacia is in the spring, the figs are in August, you know, so what we do is we harvest everything when, when, when it's perfect. And then we freeze, we freeze everything. Ah, interesting. So, okay. Yeah. Because yeah, we did tons of tests between dried plants and fresh plants and frozen plants. And, um, the fresh ones obviously like prove even more like logistically, uh, impossible, <laughs> but like, uh, the, uh, freezing was perfect. 
we, we were really happy with the results. The only thing that we don't freeze um, that we distill separately is the acacia because it's a flower. And yeah. it, um, yeah. yeah. And the other thing that we really liked was the idea of not doing like individual blends separately, but putting everything in the alembic all at once. You know, so it is, it's, it, it is, it's a little bit more natural. It's a little bit more organic rather than having like an exact recipe that you follow every single time, because that's not how, I mean, we, we don't work with cultivated plants. We work with plants that are from, you know, wild plants. And so every year it's going to be different. So it's, you know, there's something. Yeah. We welcome that. Like that's, we, we, we love that there will be slight differences from one year to the next in the plants and that doesn't bother us at all. It's exactly the way that um, the natural winemakers I was work. just you gonna ex- say. You expect, yeah. yeah, you expect to express the terroir of that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ter- terroir includes the climate as mm-hmm. well. So we welcome that fully. Very interesting. Maybe yeah. you can start putting vintages on your gin bottles. I mean, we might. Yeah. <laughs> we kind of, well, we kind of do in our lot yeah. numbers. In our yeah, lot numbers, we true. do um, yeah. on the bottle. We hand, we hand, uh, we hand number and uh, and hand write the the lot number on every bottle. So the information is there. Yeah. Very interesting. If you it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so you've got a lot. You've got access to a lot of really like lovely like plants and and flowers and and things that you can um, that you're using to to create this gen is there besides just this selection is there anything else that you think is very particularly interesting with the south of france in terms of being a gin terroir well um i mean it's the sun from down here mm-hmm. you know it, it's mm-hmm. and i think it's what like 300 300 days of sun a year or something like that <laughs> so no wonder you live there <laughs> yeah yeah no it's not like it's not like the north it's not like paris um, but yeah, no, I mean, that's, it's what gives everything the life and the energy and, uh, it's, and, and our grapes and our base alcohol. So, yeah. 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 I also, when you were talking about mouthfeel, that's something that I particularly noticed when I was um, sampling as well is it, it does have a very kind of unctuous mouthfeel to me. So it's very, very pleasant mm-hmm. and, and interesting. And I can see also how that with the Gary would make it a nice, um, a kind of a digestif sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, the one of the th- one of the uses. Um, this is sort of a part, but like uh, you know, down here. Speaking of like our terroir in the south of France, we are right near um, Bouzig, uh, where a bunch of the oysters from the south of France are from. And so we got into this sort of this habit, this tradition of going there for oysters after um, like going to pick plants or or whatever, like business stuff, and like going and having like you know, a lunch meeting uh, with oysters. And so we did this just <laughs> like in I know, life is tough in the south of France. <laughs> so we went and had oysters there and it was so pretty. And we had our bottles with us and we asked the owner. So what I'm talking about is on, on the, it's on the tool, uh, uh, on the, right on the water. You can go and um, sample oysters at the producer. So it's all very like rustic and the oysters could not be fresher because they're like bringing them in on the boat, like while you're, while you're there eating. And so we were there, we we're like, okay, well, you know, we want to take pictures of bottles. So we asked the owner if we could, and he's like, oh my God, you have bottles there. And we're like, yes. And so he's like, okay, 
you, we need to try this. And we're like, what are you talking about? He's like, I do this with whiskey. I put, um, open the oysters and then I put a little drop of whiskey on, on the oyster and the pairing is amazing. And I think it's going to be amazing with gin. And so, uh, we did it and, uh, with, it was phenomenal. It was absolutely phenomenal. There's just something about the, the garrigue and all those plants from the garrigue that are often used in the cuisine from the south of France. And that pairing with the oysters was just, mm. I mean, I was, I, it was, so surprising. Very surprising and yeah. incredibly delicious. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds very interesting. Um, I like gin in general. I like a martini with oysters. So, um, but mm. I've never heard about putting just a little drop on there. So I'm going to have to try that when I'm yeah. doing oysters here over the holidays. Yeah, try, try yeah. the Gary, try yeah. a drop of the Gary on an oyster. Oh, nice. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so before we kind of wrap up and get to the cocktail of the month, which I know the listeners always like, I just want to kind of quickly touch on um, if you found that it was particularly challenging, either as women or as foreigners, as expats, to to set up a business in this type of industry, you know, especially in distillation in the south of France, um, did you experience challenges there? Well, I mean, I mean, I, probably the biggest challenge is just that it's a different system than in the United States. Um, and then everything is written in, you know, very official administrative French. And so just getting in that was, was a little bit of a challenge, but we have like friends who are like the, um, you know, the expert business accountant and another friend who's a business lawyer. So they really helped us whenever we got a little bit lost. And also, uh, the douane here, which is the French, like, Customs, they regulate um, alcohol and, and other things. Um, we'd only heard horror stories about dealing with them, but actually, yeah. they've been fantastic. They're so nice and so supportive. And whenever we have a question, they are there to help us and not to like find us, which is wonderful. I, that was like the nicest surprise. Um, yeah, it's they've been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I think that's and, great. Um, I guess. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, they've been really, really supportive. Um, and, and I think that, that, that bodes well for, you know, other, other people who would like to be, you know, to distillers or maybe even like small businesses. I don't know. Everyone's been super helpful. Uh -huh. So yeah. That's, yeah. That's good to hear. I mean, yeah. I feel like people get so many horror stories. It's nice to hear the positive side for a change too. So yeah, yeah no, I've, only just felt, I've only felt kind of, uh, positive and just about being women in the industry we sell, uh, because we're in the natural, we sell uh, a lot to natural wine caveats and we're in the natural wine world. Mm -hmm. And I find that world incredibly open um, mm -hmm. and curious. I find everyone really curious. So that's been absolutely wonderful. Mm -hmm. We're not in the, the like traditional yeah. wine world or spirits world. We're really in this new modern uh yeah wine spirits world where yeah. people are people are i find incredibly kind yeah. and incredibly open-minded that's good i think it's nice that i mean i think you're right pointing that out that that you're in this uh this community of sorts so it's not sort of these big commercial large exactly. it feels so like i think community. that's i'm sure to your advantage so um, yeah, and there there are just more and more women wine shop owners, um, women swimming, sommelier in, in, in this part of the world, women like chefs, 
uh, restaurant owners, um, yeah. not so many women distillers just yet. <laughs> it will come. Uh, it will come. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah. you know, women winemakers. So it's 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 getting there. No. It, yeah, I think actually the person, uh, my friend Jennifer, who regular listeners will know because she does the cheese and cocktails projects with me, and she's been a guest on the show. Did I think that she? Um, uh, heard about your gym do you are you part of a Facebook group that's the um, women of the long dock is that am I correct on that yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's what I think yeah. where she came across you so all right well oh, I, we're, getting, we're getting close to the to the half hour and I want to make sure to get the cocktail in so right before we do that I just want to ask what does the future hold do you have more gen expressions that might be coming out or other spirits that you might be looking at making um, yeah. Sunshine? Yes. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes. As we speak there, uh, we are creating vermouths. Oh, that's, that's our, really our exciting. Next pro- well, oh, we have God. a couple, we have a few immediate projects. So we, as we speak at Lana's house there, we have, <laughs> I do not know how many jars of <laughs> oh muted wine, <laughs> macerated like with all of the plants that we thought would be good. So yeah, that mm-hmm. is underway. So mm-hmm. we should... I don't know exactly when next year, but next year we will have yeah. uh, we will have we'll have, we'll have two vermouths coming out. Yeah. And also, we we've just moved to uh, Catherine Bernard's. We work uh, our distillery is at Catherine Bernard's uh, property, so she's a natural winemaker in Restampierre, just north of Montpellier. And we have some projects with her. We this fall we. We just picked some wild pears that were on her property and we're just, we're fermenting them together and we're going to do a little ODV together. And we also have some projects because we were so passionate about natural wine and working with winemakers. We want to continue doing projects with winemakers whose work we love and who, who work, you know, we work in the same, uh, in the same spirit together. So we, that's another, that will be another ongoing project we're doing little tiny projects with individual Mm. winemakers excellent I like that it seems like it builds community and it sounds like you've got some fun things in the works so okay we're almost out of time and I want to make sure to get the cocktail of the month in so ladies share with the listeners (laughs) cocktail of the month our cocktail is um a Negroni uh perfect for the winter um and it's a hundred percent French the one that um we uh, are using, so it's, of course, our gin, the peak peak gin, the cocktail gin. Um, uh, Matei Capcorps, uh, it's like sort of a bitter vermouth, kind of, and then the Dolan um, Rouge vermouth. So it's very easy to make. Um, it's a third of each, so it depends on how thirsty you are, um, but about like 25 um, milliliters per each, you put it in a in a cup with ice, give it a stir, garnish it with um, a little uh, orange peel, and voila. That sounds nice. It sounds lovely. I love yeah. a Negroni, so, and I love that, you know, a French Negroni, yeah. so mm. excellent. Yeah. Now, really quickly, before I close up here, just do you want to say to listeners where they can find you on social media, and I also, what's your um, Instagram uh, handle on your website. Uh, La Tariac, L-A-T-H-E-R-I-A-Q-U-E. I'm going to say thank you, ladies. And uh, and I think that that's pretty much a wrap for this month. And as usual, I remind you to please drink responsibly. And until next time, cheers. Mm, cheers. Cheers. Thank you. <laughs>